My name is Kenny Jacoby. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. My name is Jack Butler. I'm a sports reporter with the Daily Emerald. Here with Gus Morris, also a sports reporter for the Emerald. We are live in Phoenix, Arizona, in the hotel room. Um, Oregon just lost in the Final Four. We lost last night. Yes, lost last night, 77-76 to to North Carolina. It was about as heartbreaking as you get. Um, two rebounds they could have had at the end, but North Carolina snagged them away, basically snagging the game in the process. So for the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to talk about the game, the tournament run in general, and dip into how this season should be viewed in Oregon basketball history. Um, Gus, just on the North Carolina game, what were your thoughts, impressions, everything that happened? Well, it was definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, it was definitely an interesting game um, in terms of a few aspects. Um, neither team shot the ball very well coming out of the uh, coming out of the gate. Um, I think North Carolina shot something like six six of twenty four uh, to start the game, and Oregon was something like four of eighteen, four of sixteen to start as well. So neither team came out, shot the ball very well, and it was a big, uh, it was a stark contradiction to how the previous game, uh, the Gonzaga versus South Carolina game, ha- had ended. It was a very uh, exciting finish, and the arena was definitely buzzing um, when Oregon and North Carolina Carolina took the court um, for warmups. But the tempo definitely changed as the game got going. Uh, Oregon had a had a number of early turnovers. Um, a few of them were committed by Dylan Brooks, who actually finished the game with five, um, which was the most for any player in the game. Uh, he definitely didn't have his have his best game as a duck, which is definitely an, an understatement. But he didn't really show up. Dorsey uh, kind of took him a while to, to to get going, and really he did most of his damage uh, at the at the free throw line where he was 12 of 12. But yeah, just a definitely a, definitely kind of a strange game overall. I mean, there were combined. Uh, was it 55 free throws shot? A lot of fouls, um, a lot of a lot of turnovers. Um, Oregon held their own in, in the rebounding battle, but it was just just definitely kind of an, kind of an odd game, uh, especially with how it ended. Um, you know, with uh, with no timeouts and um, just you know a couple couple of missed opportunities for Oregon, um, but just absolutely heartbreaking loss. You know, Ed Dylan Ennis was in tears before he even left the court. Jordan Bell, uh, Jordan Bell took his time getting back to the locker room and. He was pretty much inconsolable in the when when media got in there and he he did his best to, to answer questions but um, just obviously just absolutely heartbreaking way to end the season and this spectacular run that Oregon's had. Yeah, like you mentioned, the game started out really slow. It almost seemed like two boxers sort of feeling each other out in the first couple rounds. I think it was like eleven to eleven, like eight minutes in, like nothing really special. Both teams were were pretty much ice cold and and one of the big matchups we saw was Kennedy Meeks versus Jordan Bell you know those those big North Carolina centers and forwards against a really thin Oregon front court and and talking pregame with North Carolina they knew Jordan that Bell's going to go up and try and contest every shot so that you know if if a North Carolina player drives he's he has a tendency to leave his man and go for that shot block and so they knew that they could pass it to who you know Jordan was guarding and that might be a an easy layup I mean 32 points in the paint they were 7-11 uh shooting on layups throughout the game so you know Kennedy Meeks dominated 25 points 14 rebounds he was in foul trouble but the Ducks weren't quite able to get him in foul trouble early enough in the game to where he had to sit out 30 minutes he played so 
most of the game. I mean, it was it was really the rebounding. Although they were even in total rebounds, 17 offensive rebounds for North Carolina. And that was huge. And they, they are the best re- offensive rebounding team in the country. So this wasn't like unexpected or out of left field. But you, you had to know it was it was something, a matchup coming in. And it looked like Dana Altman tried to counter that by putting Cavell, Bigby Williams, and Jordan Bell out there at the same time. I think coming into the game, they only played 5% of the minutes that Oregon's played in the last five games together. So they hadn't been out on the floor together very often. But pretty early on, he threw him and Bell in there to try and counter the big men, and North Carolina um, was still able to take advantage. So let's let's just discuss the last couple minutes because North Carolina was, throughout the second half, basically kept it within like a 10 to 6-point lead pretty much throughout most of the second half. But the Ducks were able to get it to 1. You know, they got it close throughout the last couple minutes and they got it to one and then North Carolina at the line misses four straight free throws but North Carolina gets both of the rebounds back and and ran out the clock on that second rebound when they got it back just what were your thoughts on Oregon trying to come back when you were at the game there what just what were what was kind of going through your head and then you know sort of analyze that final play well, for how bad Oregon played, the the fact that they were even in the game that that it was it was as close as one point in the last couple minutes was just kind of astounding to me. Um, I mean, they shot something like thirty two percent or or something like that in the in the second half compared to like forty eight percent or forty six percent in the first half. So they definitely their their offense absolutely stalled, and and, and whatever adjustments North Carolina made um, it, at at halftime definitely uh, definitely proved to to give Oregon trouble. Um, a big, a big thing for me too, just like kind of going back to some stats, was was how much uh, North Carolina kind of relied on their on their stars. Um, you know, uh, Justin Jackson. I mean, yeah, this just just this isn't you know my thoughts on the last couple you know final minutes, but but um, just overall, I, I you know Justin Jackson and and Kennedy Meeks scored uh, 47 of Oregon's or of North Carolina's 77 points. Um, it was really kind of a, a two man show, and people were were wondering how Joel Berry the second was going to be and. He only finished. I mean, he finished with 11 points, but was two of 14 from the field. Relatively ineffective. He he did hit hit a big three kind of late in the game to really swing momentum in that in that kind of a uh, you know 10 to six uh, you know uh, point lead you know that that North Carolina was was holding on to in the second half. But yeah, the last couple minutes, you know, I mean, it, it, starting at starting at 7:48 left in the in, in the game, uh, Oregon was down by nine. Um, and they somehow clawed their way back and got within four with with a minute twenty to go, and that was even without a Dylan Brooks who had fouled out about thirty seconds earlier. Uh, and then you know obviously they they get a lucky bounce from from Dylan or uh, from Tyler Dorsey, and then uh, you know Keith Smith uh, records a layup. You know his last points for Oregon are come off a of Keith Smith layup, but you know having having it be a one point game that close, and then just you know having it having North Carolina kind of, you know, choke it away and then still somehow, still somehow, you know, seal the win. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, it was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but, but I mean, this has been what, what the story was coming into this is, is, is the, you know, North Carolina crashing the offensive boards. And, and what I really thought was, was without, uh, you know, another big in there other than Bigby Williams, you know, I mean, uh, obviously Dorsey and, um, and and Brooks and Dylan Ennis were crashing the boards. 
um, you know, as with as much fervor as they have all season. But but without uh, a Chris Boucher in there, without a, a another legit big to really help Jordan Bell, you know, hold his own against the the, the the staggering front line of North Carolina, you could tell he was exhausted in those last couple minutes, and and it obviously showed in the in the last couple of missed box outs he uh, he had, it, you know, whether it was a mental lapse or uh, he was just just exhausted and you know couldn't fight anymore, or whatever it was. Um, you know that was re- was really kind of my biggest takeaway was was uh, was just Jordan Bell was kind of on his own and he was just dead tired and you could definitely tell at the end. Yeah, and and I think you could tell at the end because on those missed free throws Kennedy Meeks just really sort of shoved him aside on that second one. But like you were saying, North Carolina, you know, North Carolina didn't play a good game either, and both of these teams. Maybe if you're Gonzaga watching this game, who Gonzaga defeated South Carolina. And Gonzaga and North Carolina will play in the national championship game on Monday. But if you're Gonzaga, you know, you're looking at these teams and none of them played well. But North Carolina allowed Oregon to creep back in. They didn't score a field goal basically for the last six minutes of the game. They got all their points on the free throw line. And But, but the big thing was Oregon only shot 27% from three. And they were 7 of 26 and they had open shots from three. I mean, North Carolina all game had quality defense, and they were in their face. But, you know, there were open shots that Brooks, Dorsey, Ennis, those guys, Pritchard even, just missed that they normally make or that they have made all tournament. And they just, for whatever reason, they just didn't have it at the end. And um, one thing, you know, this game kind of overshadowed that I wrote about a little was a great Ennis game. He had 18 points, six rebounds, you know, three assists. He played for 37 minutes, only one minute less than Dorsey played. Um, so, overshadows a great last Ennis game, but you know, when you when you can't grab rebounds throughout the entire game, that'll happen. So, basically, that that ends Duck players on the verge of tears or crying on their way to the locker room. We got to the locker room after some time. And, you know, the first guy I went to was Jordan Bell. And he was in, he was deep sitting in his locker. He was crying. Every question, he, you know, had to fight tears to get through. It was a really, you know, it was a really sad and tough locker room to be at. You know, to, to sort of pepper these guys with questions was kind of tough because you felt bad. Some guys were handling it differently, but you know some guys seemed like they were crying or on the verge of tears and you know it's really tough and it and in a video that came out later Dana Altman said you know it's it's gonna hurt right now but looking looking forward and when they look back on this season they did some amazing things so in terms of the history of Oregon basketball and just this season as a whole how would you put this in perspective well I think you know, in in my personal opinion, this is the this is the greatest Oregon men's basketball team that's that's ever taken the the court. Um, you know, that's better than than the Luke Jackson you know uh, teams. It's better than uh, you know the Kamikaze kids. It's de- you know I, better than the 1939 you know <laughs> national champions. Definitely. Um, you know, I mean, just just the way this team was built with. You know, with savvy guards, you know, like you have a you have a freshman starting, and you have a you have a you know a, you know a seasoned veteran and Casey Benson coming off the bench, and you have a sixth year player and Dylan Annis who's who's you know been on big stages before. Um, you know, I mean, you have guys who can get buckets with Brooks and Dorsey. You have a 
legit inside presence with with uh, you know with Jordan Bell and Chris Boucher and guys who can do do it on both ends. Um, and I mean, just what this team was able to accomplish, you know, being a um, you know one of the best defenses in the country and 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 doing what they could on offense and sh- you know shooting the ball from three and just you know blowing teams out. Um, I mean, what was it? They had a they posted a thirteen something like a thirteen point uh, point differential um, in turn you know in their in their wins and which was like something like top fifteen in the country. Uh, you know, I mean, this team is was just absolutely special and um, and I think that yeah, when this you know when this game uh, you know does kind of wear off and when the hurt does finally go away that they will be able to look back and say hey we've you know this run was absolutely special um and we were able to take Oregon to its first final four in you know almost 80 years and that's something that they're always going to be able to have yeah and it's hard and they'll think back to this North Carolina game and what could have been if they had shot a little better everybody's going to focus on the two rebounds but they even if they had gotten one of those rebounds they still would have had to have a pretty miraculous play at the end there to to win so I agree with you. I think this is the greatest Oregon basketball team ever. I think it's the greatest season of all time. Obviously, they won the championship in 1939, but you know there were eight teams in that tournament, and at the time, the NIT was the big tournament, so it wasn't even like they really won the, prim- the premier tournament of that time. But you know, real quickly, you wrote about this in a column after the game, and I, I sort of want to ask you about what the- maybe the difference that Chris Boucher might have made in this game obviously they need they needed big men out there and we talked about you know sort of the weak side layup that North Carolina was able to get pretty often what do you think maybe the difference Chris Boucher would have made there or any at all yeah I mean obviously it's hard to tell um you know just speculating about about you know what what a player's impact could have been if he had played you know obviously it's impossible to to actually know you know what 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 would have happened if the situation was different but but you know I'm going to I'm going to you know doing my best to speculate um you know I just think that having another inside presence you know to 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 cover the weak side rebounding um to help Jordan Bell would probably have have you know helped him you know conserve some energy you know in the last last part of the game you know, obviously Chris Boucher is not is not the imposing figure that that Jordan Bell is, and he 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 probably you know he probably would have been pushed around by Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks, but but just having another rebounder there would have absolutely been been huge. You know, when Jordan Bell is you know getting 16 rebounds in the in the next highest on the team as six, you know, I mean that that absolutely would have been huge. Also, just uh, you know, Chris Boucher's ability to to shoot the three would have uh, would have forced one of North Carolina's, you know, uh, inside players to step out and and you know guard him from from three, which which would have opened up more driving lanes for guards, and that was a big thing too. Was anytime Oregon would try to drive, they would be met with with North Carolina's long defenders. You know, Justin Jackson, Theo Pinson were given, uh, you know, Pritchard, Brooks, uh, Dorsey problems all day, um, and that was definitely huge. And and if Boucher had been there to spread the floor out, it definitely would have given them more more room to operate. Uh, but yeah, just 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 not having Chris finally caught up to them, and this this run was absolutely special, and 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 they made it here, you know, to the final four without him. But again, you know, you can only go only go so far without one of your best players. Yeah, it was really. I think in one of these games, he would have made a big difference, and you know, at least having one more guy to throw out there, at least having some depth, and a lot of these Oregon players got heavy minutes. And only, and, and again, only like they only lost by one, right? And it was still like without Chris Boucher. 
yeah really impressive really quickly just kind of one final thing before we have to get out of here what are your thoughts on so brooks dorsey and bell all they do have eligibility remaining obviously but those are sort of the top you know three guys on the team what do you think the odds are based on really you know no information or if you do have any little information what do you think the odds of them coming back leaving for me i think if i'm jordan bell i go i don't know if his stock gets much higher unless he really develops a really strong offensive game which is possible he made huge strides this year compared to last year but i wouldn't i think to me he's the guy that might be most likely to go um i think brooks is kind of on the edge and you know i think it would do dorsey you know he could he could do a lot by being the man for an entire year here at Oregon before he goes to the NBA or anywhere professionally overseas, whatever that may be. Just what are your quick thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. I think I think if you know the most likely go to uh, guy to go is is Jordan Bell. Um, now, I mean, that being said, after a game like this and seeing how distraught he was and and just you know seeing how he feels like he, like he let his team down, I. I, I mean I I would be surprised if he came back but but after a game like last night um, it wouldn't be entirely you know shocking to me um, but I think Jordan Bell is probably the most likely to go and I've seen several mock drafts with him um, as a late first round pick early second round um, so I mean if he wants to get paid he certainly could definitely could leave and um, and you know follow his follow his dream of being an NBA player I think the second most likely player to leave is Brooks as you said he's probably a second round pick middle second round early second round late you know wherever but i don't think he's a first round pick i think he would definitely benefit with a with one more year coming back but you know i don't think he if he wants to he will come back obviously but i you know anything honestly with brooks anything could happen it's like no one really knows yeah tyler dorsey i think is, is the third guy on the list he could definitely test you know test uh you know the waters overseas and kind of sees what see what he can do over there um, and maybe develop his game against some, some stronger competition. I don't think he's quite ready for the NBA. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really see what position he would be. He, you know, a 6'4", he'd probably be, you know, a very undersized shooting guard and guys in the league are 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, as shooting guards and he'd just be very undersized at that position and I don't really see him as a point guard in the NBA. He's not really a facilitator, doesn't have the ball handling skills. And I think he definitely would benefit from a year coming back. Obviously, Ennis is gone. Boucher is gone. Um, their careers are at at Oregon are over, and and a lot of the question marks are going to be around Dorsey, Brooks, and Bell, and what happens next year. I wouldn't be very surprised if Bell was gone. Um, if Brooks leaves too, good for him. You know, he's he's going to go go get his money. Um, and if Dorsey leaves, then you know it's it could be a rebuilding year next year in Eugene. Um, I mean, obviously they have Troy Brown coming in, five star recruit, and there are they are still in the running for Brendan McCoy, uh, who's a five star uh, center power forward who would be a huge addition, probably the biggest get for Dana Alban so far, uh, if he does decide to uh, to come to Oregon. But he has some strong offers from Arizona and Michigan State as well. But but yeah, this uh, this team could look drastically different next year, and it you know, you know without Annis and Boucher, it 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 will already be different, but it could definitely be dramatically different. That's all the time we have today. Uh, it's been I know it's been incredible covering this team throughout their journey, and we will see how it works out in the future. Um, again, that's all the time we have. I'm Jack Butler. Uh, to hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>